0: And pick your poison, and have a seat as we continue our ATT Spooktober Spectacular. This week we've lined up a terrifying tale from Tennessee. In a quiet little town right in the middle of the Bible Belt, it is the last place you might think to find a series of demonic developments. The family was said to have run afoul of more than a few phantoms, and experienced years of sinister supernatural suffering. The main spirit seemed to have a doubt for the family patriarch especially, but almost the entire family seemed to suffer from this curse. The entire tale would culminate in a deadly encounter with what seemed to be a case of paranormal poisoning. This case file joined the theorists as they spent some time on the frightening farm where a president met a poltergeist in. The Bell Whip.
1: Two alien theorists theorizing, case file two fifty four. Uh, another spectacular Spooktober episode. I'm Braden. I'm Dan, and I'm Andrew. Uh, Andrew, buddy, it's it's your pick. Uh, I'm up to play it here, boys. Yeah, you have to, to play what I? you want
2: to do Spooktober. All right, all right. This one's a special one, boys. For my installment of Spooktober, I'm going to start with season three, episode ten. The Trickening. So now this is the 59th episode of DuckTales, which premiered on October 5th, 2020. Right. All right. So it's Halloween night as Huey, Dewey, and Louie and Webby get ready to go out and collect candy. Now, Scrooge says that they have to leave the mansion as he never hands out candy. Instead, he leaves an empty bowl that says, take one on it, implying for the treaters that... To oh, take off run ge- out of candy. That's candies. fucking genius. It's genius. Hey, yeah, well, really... listen, oh, yeah. guy didn't get rich on fucking- That's true, boys. I know. Right? Start with a nickel. <laughs> Trying to choose, got a nickel. So Scrooge told them all to hell they don't get
1: candy for themselves. Um, And for those of you, if you're falling behind, this is the new, like uh, the new the new age uh, Duckburg. This yeah, isn't this the old is...
2: DuckTales, this is new DuckTales. Well, wow, this is this is the fucking the reboot, basically. Yeah, c- season three of
1: the reboot. Yeah, not, uh, because that October fifth, twenty twenty. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Yeah. So,
2: anyways, he implies for the trick or treaters to take one, but there's nothing left. Genius. So Scrooge, of course, decides to head out and collect candy on his own. Right? Why oh. not? Probably going to resell them. Yeah. Let's be honest here. Uh, which obviously kind of annoys Donald and Della. Do, do you guys know who Della is
1: yet? You aware? Yeah, yeah. We talked about Della, I think, on the last DuckTales. Yeah, who's Della? The sister. Whose sister? Uh, Scrooge's sister. Is it Donald's sister?
2: Donald's sister.
1: Oh, shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> close. You are close. You're better than, you know, I was, I was better than that. But Della's further annoyed when Donald tells her that they will head over to Launchpad's house instead as she wanted to scare trick-or-treaters and thinks Launchpad's house is too soft. Della's a big Halloween girl. (laughs) Thinks Launchpad's house is too soft. It's too soft for (laughs) Halloween. She's not into it. (laughs) You see see that one? We
1: know she's a big Halloween girl. Uh Huge Halloween girl. So despite
2: Huey's intricate planning on where to go for the night, Louie insists that they head to Hazel's house instead, a haunted house that rests outside Duckburg. Louis believes that it holds a lifetime supply of candy so that they will not have to
3: trick-or-treat ever again. What why does it what what implies that? That
2: it holds. Well, Dan is probably, for one, Dan is probably a gated community. So they're handing out full size chocolate bars. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And they're probably tightly packed,
1: right? Tightly packed because you want to hit the most amount of houses uh, real quick, right? You don't want to, you don't want these big acre plots where your neighbors are separated by, you know, big fence yards. You want, you want, yeah, you want cookie cutter, you know, Boom! 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 You want to be able to go from door cut across a dr- like a driveway in a little front yard to right. another door. You right? want to get it's all about like maximum. The, you want the candy like townhouses, efficiency. like the nice, yeah. nicely appointed exactly. townhouses are right
3: next to each other. Yeah. Okay. Duplexes. Ba- you
1: got, got dude. The best would be like if you got some sort of quadplex complex. You just like boom! 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 boom. Like think God. about the loadout you could get from a place like uh, that, and like you go down one of those like fucking you know the the what
2: do you call it, cul-de-sacs, mm-hmm. and you just ping pong. Bang, bang, oh, yeah. bang, 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 right? And, had, and, and you switch have costumes. Boys, exactly. At the end right? of the fucking Caldi,
1: switch costumes, hit them all again. Boom, knows. boom, 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 boom. Nobody fucking
2: knows.
1: Oh uh, man, like like I said, it's trick-or-treating. There's a, a little bit of an art form so, to it. Absolutely. And if if you're not if you're not trying to maximize, listen. The cards, it, it's like the house always wins. Big candy always wins, right? So if you're not trying to do whatever you can, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying on Halloween because you need to maximize your candy that you pick up or else big candy wins. Right. Because of right? inflation. Like, I don't yeah, like yeah. To think they're it it giving is... you less candy,
3: therefore you're to Now, you see, I don't to like to
1: think candy. of it as
2: tricking or uh, cheating, sorry. I'd like to think of it as tricking. tricking. Yeah, that's right, 100% it's
3: you're, you're not right, cheating. You're, right. you're tricking. It's right, right in the name. It's, you're tricking. Well, if they're, that's fine. If, they're, if they're less treating, then you have to. Balance the equation yes. by the tricking. Yeah. You gotta opt it's to all tricking. fucking math. Yeah. That's yeah. it is all mm-hmm. math, right? The right. scales. The, to, in the order for math,
1: everything in the Y equals MC squared or whatever, yeah, right? right? Exactly. And yeah. too yeah. too many years, too many years. But you know who's gonna really profit now? This is a problem. I what I'm seeing, what I'm starting to see is a real no matter where you go, there's always something that kind of pulls. So now, you know, we, we start to even it out with big candy because you know the treatment's getting lower, so we start tricking. But in order to be tricking more. You know, obviously who's going to profit from that big costume. Oh yeah. Right. I so got hit hard
2: by big costume this year, boys. Yeah.
1: $45 right?
2: for a three year old's costume. Mm. Yeah. It's insane. You and fucking- now you got to buy,
1: now you're to buy two, three costumes, right? To, ma- <laughs> to yeah. make sure you're getting the adequate chicken <laughs> to get, to fight big candies, uh, less treating.
2: Well, let's be honest. Kids going to be fucking tired. Three houses in I'll be carrying them. Well, you
1: just slip into the costume, finish up the round for me. Eh? Probably, yeah. <laughs> That's the plan. Um, so, hey, good conversation. I think uh, we could wrap this one up. <laughs> nice pulling this. Uh, that is because, of course, case file 254, is, we're going to be talking the bell witch. Uh, many people say that, uh, oh, and by the way, we're back across the pond. No, we're back from yeah, we the pond. We came back. We came back. We're we we're back. In, we're, we're way <laughs> across the pond for a while. We're back. We've come back. Um, and people say this is the greatest American haunting. I don't know if it, it was the scariest because I it was is like the, the
3: most well one of the documented. most well documented cases.
1: I mean, fuck, this had everything: Simples. witch hunters, presidents, That's what they claim anyway, <laughs> ex presidents, daughters, grifters, husbands. Everyone was how effective. is it every case file? It's the spookiest castle. It's the scariest event. It's just I swear <laughs> to God
3: because all well, the I spookiest. Mean,
1: I mean, if you start to narrow down your vision, right? <laughs> what are you, if you start about?
3: to We've never said anything that was spookiest. We've never. Boys,
1: you said can only that. there can only be that. so
2: many world's great like biggest balls of yarn. We've never
3: said that. You know. Like, well, yeah, but here, you but it?
1: here, but see, this is where you're failing to miss. It's like if if, if I'm whatever to it, miss, so I'm
3: hitting. No, yeah.
1: If you, fail, yeah, it, so if <laughs> let's say for instance, Kamloops has the 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 biggest ball of yarn. Well, maybe it, over where I am, Campbell River, we have the biggest biggest ball of yarn this side of the Pacific. All right? It's like uh, it's just I'm how sure. you how you scope at it, right? So it's like when they say this, right? You, you, they're looking at it through different scopes, right? So it's like, when but you're both again, on the same side of the Pacific. <laughs> But I just want to say, this, this, you know, as what we like to do in these, in these case files and stuff is we like to start to pick those loose connections together. Right. And you're going to really quickly learn as we start to talk about this case file. If we ever start. This, in fact, (laughs) falls, you know, right in Craig's triangle, the dragon's triangle. Yes. So I just want to keep, keep that in mind when you're listening. It's a big triangle. (laughs) <laughs> it's in there. Uh, so
3: uh, this this case comes from a uh, good old state of, the volunteer state of Tennessee uh, on a farm <laughs> Hold in
1: Hold on. <laughs> Why do they call it the volunteer state? It's, everything- it's called
3: the volunteer state
1: everything i read about this case well it could have been called the slave state <laughs> i
3: uh,
1: yeah but <laughs> i mean
3: that's the that's now the, now we're calling them the name volunteers? of their football
2: team well it's the name <laughs> of their football team What's
3: one of their football their- teams i suppose yeah. the volunteers yeah. yeah i mean they're volunteers i suppose i uh, could have been Probably from Civil, I mean, it probably wow. was Civil War. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, wow. Um, that is some good PR <laughs> sidestepping. It's a good spin.
3: <laughs>
2: They're volunteers! They're volunteering! <laughs>
1: uh, so,
3: on a farm... They're free in, to go anytime they want! <laughs> <laughs> Just not today. Or, yeah for like a couple hundred years. Uh, So on a farm in Robertson County, Tennessee, in the early 19th century, you had one John Bell, who was formerly of North Carolina and was living with his family. Now- John Bell had married into a while he was still in North Carolina, he had married into an affluent or pretty um, a pretty successful farming family. Uh, he married uh, one of the daughters from the family named Lucy, so Lucy Bell. Um, and so when they moved to Robertson County, Tennessee, the family consisted of him, his wife Lucy, and then they had four sons at the time, I believe. And then when they after they moved there, they had about two is it two or three more kids. They, have, uh, they had a number of, well, they had a lot. So um, yeah. in total, <laughs> who's going to work the land other <laughs> than mean, the yeah, volunteers? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Jesse, <laughs> um,
1: John, Junior, Drury, Benjamin, yep. Esther, Zeta, I, Elizabeth. My question
2: is like, you got, you know, you had your John and then you had this ne- the next kid and you're like, fuck, we already got John. What are we going to name him? Drury? Like, <laughs> what <where> the <laughs> fuck <laughs> is Drury? I've never heard that name before. Uh, you have uh, never, you
1: have Dick Williams, and then you have Joel Egbert. I'm like, why not just Joel? Why do you have to give him two names, Joel Egbert? Because he
2: had a fucking. Because he's so smart, they
1: wanted to yeah. call him fucking Egg. Big old egghead. <laughs> like, never, let's
2: call him you, never the
3: word, you never heard the name Jury, but you've heard the name Zadok? <laughs> never heard
2: Zadok either. Sounds <laughs> the guy sounds like he's um, fucking got about twenty sister wives though. With that. Yeah, and it if, was and
1: <laughs> just to point out to everyone very quickly. If you're thinking and you were wondering. John Bell and his family were, in fact, volunteer owners. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, they yes, owned a ton of volunteers.
2: Too, I think it's important to note that I was one of the stories I was reading said that they actually had to leave due to the fact that they considered his lands cursed. Back in North Carolina, like basically cattle dying at rapid rates, they weren't able to fucking get any of their crops growing or anything like that, which I thought was super weird.
3: Uh, yeah, so they ended up, but he did have a good chunk of change, and he used that change to go ahead and purchase a, a, a pretty much a, a wide swath of land uh, over in uh, Robertson County, Tennessee, which at the time was, I think, Red River, the area of the Ooh. Red River.
2: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
3: boy, spooky already, Red River. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, but- You know, the the move was good, apparently, because he became one of the area's most successful planters, and John Bell was actually named an elder for the Red River Baptist Church that had been there since, what was it, like 1791, I believe, is when the church was established and had been there for uh, quite a while. So he became a pretty uh, influential uh, and visible part of the community there at Red River. Now, in the summer of 1817, you had the first appearance of these unusual disturbances that started surrounding the Bell family. And the very first occurrence is usually cited to be an incident on the farm where John Bell cited some type of creature uh, within the cornrows of his of the family farm, and uh, he fired at this creature, which he described having uh, a dog's body with a rabbit head of some type. Like this, is some kind of chimerical creature. Uh, Do they
2: not have fucking basset hounds in North Carolina? Like, is he that shocked? <laughs> fucking. <laughs>
3: Um, it was a dark black color. I mean, maybe just like the coloring, maybe it, it, it threw him off, Or but it was something that he had never seen before. It was something that threw him into a bit of a, you know, threw him for a loop, but he he fired at this thing thinking it was some kind of, uh, some kind of, I don't know, unusual creature. That was just something he'd never seen before. And he took so, a
1: shot at it and it
3: vanished. I don't know what it is, but
1: kill it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny to hear the, the story of the like, because I did read it where it's like, this is the first, unusual disturbance, but then when I was kind of doing some other research, there was actually like some of the slaves that he owned were actually reporting stuff earlier, and it seemed to be progressing, and what they were saying is like they were hearing like whispers in the woods at night, and they were like, what the hell, What the, what's that, what's going on, and then they would see ghost candles, where it looked like someone was holding candlelights, and then they would get more, and it looked like they would approach to the property line, and then they would just stop. Right. And so this was getting reported and, you know, obviously uh, John Bell, you know, he, he didn't really like, like what they were telling him. Just get back to work. Basically, (laughs) you know, enough of this tomfoolery. Get back to volunteering. Get back to volunteering uh, or else I'll volunteer my whip on you or something like that. And uh, so these things were getting reported by, you know, the slaves that he owned. They, they were saying that like weird stuff was happening. Uh They were feeling, you know, a weird presence and stuff. Uh And this was starting to, ex- it, it seems like it was creeping from the outside of the properties. And then it started to work it in. And it, as the lights were kind of started to be seen more and more, that's when I read that John then, he now sees something. So he, this had been kind of like, you know, he'd been hearing this, uh, the something going on and now he's seeing something.
3: Yeah. And so, uh, they weren't the only ones to see anything like shortly after the, uh, the encounter with
1: the, the dog rabbit thing. Um, why did you, did you guys think that maybe what's that cryptid a jackalope? That's kind of what I was thinking. It might be because it was described as like a, a dog with the head of a rabbit.
3: Well, I was like, a jackalope would have like antlers. it be like a... Oh, a that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, the other members of the family saw something as well. So you had his son, Drury, and uh, Elizabeth, who was known as... Betsy, and we'll probably refer to her as Betsy uh, from here on. And they also began to see strange creatures near the property as well. Uh, Drury is reported to have seen some type of bird of extraordinary size, some large bird. And Betsy uh, said that she spotted a girl with a green dress swinging from the limb of an oak tree on the property. Now,
2: The account I read when it says swinging, unfortunately, was... From what I what I saw, it was swinging
1: from a noose that was wrapped around its neck. Yeah, that's I read one of that too. It yeah. wasn't It wasn't. I didn't. What I read wasn't swinging in a swing. It was she was swinging all right though. Yeah, and there was like tears coming down her eyes, and like the significance. I guess the green of the
2: dress was so vivid, and I, I guess a lot of times the devil is always always associated with this color green. And there's such things as the devil's wench, which is a similar like a specter to this.
3: And so in that, the evening after, uh, immediately after John Bell had seen this dog-like creature, um, they would start, the family would start experiencing a number of strange occurrences at the house, their cabin that they had had on the property itself. So while John and his family were actually sitting down to dinner, they started to hear a lot of strange noises on the outside of the cabin. They described sounds of uh, like chains, Rattling, dragging along the boards on the outside porch, Jacob Marley. <laughs> uh, they heard the uh, they heard this you know scratching, banging. And even at one point, like John Bell and some of it and a, a couple of his sons were reported to actually go out and try to catch whoever was doing this. They thought it was some type of prank or some type of joke or somebody was out there what um, doing this, but when they got out there, nobody was to be seen.
1: And again, this is this isn't like this all happened one night. This is continuous to the point where these things it's kind of building. Like it's they're hearing the bangs, and then it's banging throughout the night. Then it's the scratching. Uh, and then it's per- more persistent. So, you know, over the course of a couple of nights, so now they're going out to be like, someone's doing this, obviously. Someone's fucking with us. We got to go check this and nothing, right? They're going out there with guns, pitchforks, right? You know, I imagine they're doing the old Nicky Nicky 9 door where they're not really sleeping. They're just waiting, right? Kick open the door like, ah! Gotcha, fucker. <laughs> and, and then there's no one. Well, and a lot of
2: times, like, so, I know we're going to mention this person in a bit and I, I feel like it's important maybe to bring it up now the fact that they actually like they lived very rurally they didn't really have it was very far away from the city centers like a -hmm. lot of the reason we're going to get into it like you know they had a lot of people come travel to experience whatever they've you know we're going to talk about you know and they had to stay overnight because they had to travel to this place yeah but they did have one neighbor and the neighbor's name was kate bats okay and unfortunately a great spooked over name for Kate Pats, <laughs> um, her family owned probably the nearest, you know, farm to the Bills. And her husband, who was the primary, you know, worker of the farm, ended up having an accident where a tree, he was falling a tree and it fell backwards on him, broke both his legs and left it, but it rendered both his legs use, useless. So they fell in really hard times. So I guess Kate kind of brokered this deal with, uh, with John Bell because they're on hard times, they can't really afford to work their lands. um, And they're like, listen, we're desperate. Is there anything you can do to help us out? So John in turn offered them one of his volunteers and a cash loan for a parcel of her unused land. Okay. But unfortunately, when they made this deal, John didn't really state the interest rate at what the loan was going to be paid back at. Okay. Okay. So later it was revealed when she had to make her first payment that this interest rate was fucking ridiculous and there's no way she was going to ever be able to afford it. So she felt extremely slighted by John. By John, yeah. And we can, we'll we get into the rest of this later. But initially when all these weird things started happening around the farm, the family initially thought that this was maybe, you know, Kate Bat's. And her, you know, her volunteers or whoever kind of being sent to the farm to fuck around and to scare them and just to cause mischief, right? Because, because they owed money. Time, well, they they fucked him over, right? They yeah. they 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 slighted him. And she was a very vocal person in the community, basically saying, like, um, calling John Bell a a user and you know, he covets her land and he's you know, he's a snake. So Right away, like they didn't really go too crazy because they they started hearing all these noises, but there was already this public beef, and they kind of you know they were like, okay, it's not maybe not that big of a deal because it's probably these guys just trying to scare us.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And so, yeah, and the the activity within the house, the paranormal activity started to kind of crescendo or at least to get to a point where it kind of, uh, it it not only was it outside the house, but it was inside the house as well. Yeah.
1: It's like I said, it's, it's creeping in and that like it's everything. When you read this, it it does seem like a slow build and this will get to one of my theories later on, but you know, it's, it's on the edge of the property. It's being seen. Then it's manifesting in things that can be seen by John, like these dogs and whatnot. Then it's, clawing at the outside of the house. And now it's like escalating where it's like, now it's inside. They're hearing scratching in the walls, on the bedpost. They think they're, it's rats, Whoa. right? They don't know boys, what boys. the fuck's Kate, going listen. on.
2: Listen, one thing that we really got to touch on here that fucking made my skin crawl was it wasn't necessarily scratching on the bedpost, but gnawing. Yeah. I- <clears throat> they heard gnawing on the fucking bedposts. Yeah. Could you imagine trying to sleep through that?
3: Mm yeah, originally, Ugh. they thought it was rats. and so they they like tore apart the house, apparently, looking for rats trying to find anything, but they couldn't find any animals or uh, pests or anything that would possibly be capable of making producing that the kind of sounds that they were they were hearing. Um, and the the spirit, as it kind of became known, increased its activity. And so to the point where it was actually uh, seemingly physically abusing, Uh, Some members of the family, apparently uh, Joel and Richard Williams, and especially Betsy, were the ones who got it kind of the worst of experiencing things like being, you know, feeling like they were being physically struck or pinched or having their hair pulled by this strange uh, poltergeist uh, entity of some type.
1: Yeah. It it's yeah, and you know they were like when they weren't in rooms, they were hearing like beds slide apart, and it's 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 seemingly getting to the point where it's almost nonstop. Um, you know, they're even starting at this point. You know, they're hearing low sounds of like almost like faint on un- Like you're hearing someone whisper from another room, but you can't tell what they're saying. And some people, they were reporting that like, like, I I think I hear something, but they weren't sure. Like it, it, it's really starting to escalate in the house. And
3: so there were attempts at, at, at communicating with this entity, the, the family, you know, trying to at least call out to it, trying to get, identify it, to ask it what it wants. Like, why is it here? Uh, these things. And um, it's it said that Lucy Bell and John Jr. are actually left relatively unharmed by this witch. And I think there's some, uh, there's some evidence or some reports telling that the, the, the entity somehow communicated with them that Lucy Bell was like untouchable, that she was a good person and they couldn't, couldn't mess with her, essentially, but uh, another thing that was communicated by this entity is that apparently it claimed that she wouldn't leave the Bell family alone until John Bell, the the patriarch of the family, was dead, and yeah. also that Betsy would have to break off her relationship with a young man uh, named Joshua Gardner, who she had they had pretty much like started an engagement just prior to the events uh, that started happening on the farm. So,
1: so like they would hear these whispers, would slowly build where they could hear they're like, I, it sounds like someone's talking into the room, and then it would. They weren't sure what it was, and then it would build to where it was like saying, like John Bell is a bad man. He must die, right? Like I'm going to kill him. Like it's, and like, honestly, how many, vo- at what point, Andrew, do you move out of your house at that? Like on this uh, escalating of events. F-
2: boys, I heard non, I'm the fuck out of there. Yeah, man, non, see you later, bye.
1: Uh, boy. Wait, the- go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the second, uh, the second I hear a whisper on the wind, uh, I'm calling uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren or, or whoever's- Hey, <laughs> okay, fuck, I'm calling <laughs> Ghostbusters, dude. Yeah,
2: everyone. So right around this point, things are starting to kind of ramp up. And for the most part, the family, the Bell family, especially John has been like, listen, I don't want anybody knowing about this. We're going to keep this silent. This is our business. We're going to sort it out, which makes sense because, you know, you don't want people thinking that you guys are crazy. He's a prominent businessman. He's a leader within the church community. At this point, they're kind of getting to their breaking point. So, you know, at this point, Betsy's getting harassed nightly. She's getting slapped in the face. She's getting choked. She's getting smothered. We got family members getting She's getting scratched getting, and shit. Family members are getting blankets removed from them while they're trying to sleep. Like, it's, things are getting crazy. So, you know, at what point, Betsy actually tries to sleep over at a friend's house and ends up having a counter at a friend's house. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's but fucking it terrifying. So follows her to her friend's house. Then the family's like, holy shit, okay, so there's no escaping this. So they decide to bring outsiders into the house to see if they can witness this. They bring over some trusted neighbors who are friends. The encounter happens in front of the neighbors. Um, So then it kind of starts spreading amongst this kind of smaller community, right? And everybody starts catching on. And then like one story that I I absolutely love is uh, one neighbor named Frank Miles, which Fucking badass name already. Like, you know this guy's yeah. going to be a badass. Who is reported to be a rather large and stout fellow, wanted to help. He came to the bell house with full intention of volunteering to crush the witch with his powerful grip. <laughs> As he spent... <laughs> he's just like, no, <laughs> uh, <he's> I'll <like, laughs> oh, oh, squeeze life like out of man. it. Yeah. As he spent the night at the bell home, waiting for the opportunity to give the ghost the thrashing it deserved the sheets were yanked off of him. He quickly learned that he was no match for the strength of the spirit that struck him in the face and on the head. Later, he claimed they were some of the most powerful blows he'd had ever taken.
1: <laughs> and like, let's just go back to like Betsy. Do you remember what it said to her? It said something like, you can't- like, You, you can't, can't get away get, from me. You can't get away from me. I'm gonna follow me. you. I will follow, follow you, you, you wherever
2: you go. And I think it's important to, to, to note too at the beginning and then these initial encounters that they're having, this the, the witch, his, her, the witch is an initial like victim was Betsy. Everything was focused on Betsy, and it wasn't till a little later that it focused more so on John Bell. Initially, yeah.
3: it was all Betsy. And yeah, and it, like we said, it began following her around to the point where her and her fiance at the time, Joshua Gardner, were unable to spend time together or go anywhere without having been followed uh, by these like vocal taunts, voices and stuff from the entity actually following them everywhere that they went. And it became so bad that on Easter Monday of 1821, Betsy met with Joshua uh, at the river near, the, near their home and had called off the engagement.
2: And I think it's important to note the fact that the ghost explicitly says, "Like you are not to marry Joshua Green or Gardner. You're not to marry him." Like the ghost is actually, or the the witch is actually just you mentioning him by name. Don't fucking marry him.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's 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 very okay, interesting because sure. <laughs> uh, it, it made me kind of think that when I like when this was when you first read this, I like one of the things I kind of thought was that per- perhaps this is. Um, someone play, practicing witchcraft, but someone like uh, another suitor of Joshua Gardner, of someone who like was really infatuated with him and was jealous of Betsy, right? And yeah, so, potentially. and then starts to go after the family, and or so maybe somebody I, that's infatuated with Betsy. I thought that. I thought that. But then the thing with the reason, I because it initially goes after Betsy, and there's it's kind of like not deterred. And then it goes, starts to go after the dad and I, and John Bell. And I thought maybe it started to go after John Bell because it was like, if I can, can, if I can scare the father to leave, the whole family will go. Right. Like if I can get him, convince him, scare him enough, threaten him that they will leave entirely. potentially. Right? That's what I was kind of thinking, but that that is a good point. Maybe maybe it was someone infatuated uh, with Betsy too. But then I just don't understand those motives to then go after John, right?
3: Well, maybe it probably wouldn't have been more about going after John. It would just been getting them apart somehow, like getting yeah. That's what I whatever it takes, yeah. So, so prior to this, like prior, prior to breaking off the engagement, you still had the, the, the activity, the paranormal activity continuing at an, an unchecked rate. And people were traveling, uh, reportedly traveling to the, the home of the bells to witness this. Like, I mean, it became like a popular tourist, tourist attraction. Yeah, so, people, yeah, and, it was, everybody it was like and first, everybody was coming to, coming to see the bell witch.
1: Yeah. It was like, it was the first ever like highway, like, what do you call it? Like tourist trap. Yeah. Like, come yeah. on down to see the Bell Witch in action. Yeah, and
3: they, I mean, they were requesting that people <laughs> would show up and ask to stay the night, to, you know, to, to somehow to see uh, the the activity of this this entity that was torturing the bells. And the crazy thing is, is the entity was fucking delivering. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there were a lot of stories apparently from people like coming in and encountering the the uh, this this paranormal activity, things are happening. Again, we said, uh, uh, we mentioned the Frank miles, uh, encounter, but one of the most popular stories of, of one of the most probably prominent visitors, uh, is that there is legend told that Andrew Jackson, former president of the, you know, but, but prior to his presidency, I believe, um, came to visit the, uh, Uh, came to visit the Bells himself. Uh, Jackson was actually a major general in 1819 and he actually... Visited the Bell family home after hearing stories uh, from the elder Bell sons who served with him about uh, it, this would be John Jr. Jury uh, and Jesse who all served under the, uh, Jackson's command during the Battle of New Orleans in 1815, and he had heard stories about this the activity that was going on. So he decided to take a couple of his men and go and visit the Bells and see this uh, see this fantastic. Uh, performance for himself.
1: Well, they yeah. were like they were not only going to witness the ghost, but he thought that maybe some of his men might be able to help because one of the men that traveled with him was a self-proclaimed witch hunter and he was, you know, allegedly bragging to the men like we have nothing to fear because I have silver bullets. And if that witch even okay. shows herself, I'll put her down. And Helsing himself man. like I've done to many witches before. And I am eager to do it again with my silver. To be bullets. fair, back
2: then witches were just fucking normal women that were probably shot with normal bullets. So yes. Yeah, I, yeah, yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Horrible. yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's just say there's a couple of characters that we'll have to talk about in this story who they were like, should we kill her just in case? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. They, you know, after a while they were just like, Should we burn all the women? Would that help? <laughs> One of them's a witch. Um, but it, 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 so he, you know, he, he traveled with people that were thinking that they could maybe help out this situation. And it, it, they didn't even make it to, you know, the property. Uh, they just had the intent to go to the property when they started, you know, getting some of the effects of the witch, Paranormally activated. So
3: uh, once they actually arrived at the property, the very edge of the property, apparently, the uh, the company of men that were with Jackson, their horses suddenly stopped and apparently couldn't be urged any farther. They
1: couldn't push them. They couldn't get them to move. The horses were hesitant to move any uh, some, further. Some of the reports I read too is like the wheels were inexplicably like locked, like as if they were like brakes all of a sudden on these wooden wagons. And
2: I mean, I heard they went to like horrid lengths to get these horses to move too. Yeah. Like <laughs> obscene fucking animal abuse. To try yeah. and get these
3: motivate these horses to move, and they would not move. And Jackson is said to have proclaimed uh, something along the lines of, "By the eternal boys, that must be the Bell Witch." And then immediately following this, apparently there was a unknown female voice that called out to the men and told them, gave them permission to continue on and proceed to the house, but that she would visit with them later. And then with this, the horses unbidden like after all of this thing they just started, started forward, going just started going forward towards the towards the bell cabin
1: now that witch the witch hunter we started talking about takes it apart because he you know he's everyone's looking at him right they're like oh what you know you're you're the witch guy right i mean, you're the witch i tamer. wonder if
2: to i wonder if this witch this witch hunter's last name is miles too he's coming to avenge his brother
1: yeah well he starts <laughs> fred he starts, miles he's called my brother frank he starts like taunting the witch, like and boasting, like he's gonna kill her. And I got a silver bullet. And show yourself, and you're dead, witch. <laughs> you're done for. And immediately, just without warning, he just falls, starts convulsing. Uh, you know, he's shaking. He's being beaten and struggling, like flipping around, um, and is basically left in a pool of his own like mess. <laughs> uh, yes, and then he's also apparently picking up, picked up, and then
3: sent flying headfirst out the door, as if somebody had picked him up like Mo style <laughs> and just chucked <laughs> him out the door. Uh,
1: Gave him and, the old Uncle Phil, yeah.
3: <laughs> Jazzy Jeff. Yep. So, uh, and then the men are reported to have said that they hear the same female voice. Uh, which they had heard earlier that day, and threatened th- that this voice was making threats to expose uh, and/or torment another of their band, uh, who was apparently a fraud, uh, or you know, po- is posing as a fraud. And so Jackson's men, Jackson's men, apparently turned to their, you know, their general and were begging to leave uh, after witnessing the the power of the Bell Witch. Um, but Jackson, uh, the, the brave major general, I mean, he was also a monster, but <laughs> yeah. insisted on staying so that they could identify this second fraud that the witch was appointed to have said. And then that's too much. <laughs> he's, the he's like, oh,
1: I like what she. He's like,
3: oh,
1: you know what? Let's let's hear her out. <laughs>
3: and uh and so that's pretty much where the legend ends now
1: well one of the other like touch on is that is that like they left very early in the morning like way before they were supposed to like the bell family kind of got up and they were like where'd they go (laughs) like so like there's a couple like differentiating reports of like how soon they left but by all accounts um after they had seen the witch and had interacted with it lay left in a hurry that's pretty uh, across the board and supposedly after jackson
2: had taken office he was quoted and saying i saw nothing but i heard enough to commit convince me that i would rather fight the british than deal with the torment of what they call the bell witch
1: <laughs> he's like <laughs> it only took me five seconds to realize i never want to go to tennessee again <laughs> <laughs> no thank you
3: so up until this point the ghost has been mm, i would say relatively benign yes people have been struck yes people have been but nobody has been seriously injured but after this the ghost encounter gets a little bit Ye- deadly
1: yeah and it's it's seemingly like the more and more this spirit entity or witch is is you know interacted with the stronger and the bolder it becomes Uh, but we're going to refill our beers. We'll be right back with more of the Bell Witch. Yeah, it looks like it. We're
2: we're back. (laughs) So as we left things up, things are kind of starting to ramp up. And this is where the Bell family decided to maybe try and communicate back with the Bell Witch. Yeah. So at some point they kind of came up with this idea, you know, to determine if maybe they could hear it or not, and they decided to use knocking. So they had asked questions where numbers were involved, like things like how many persons are present? How many horses are in the bar or in the barn? How many miles to a certain place?" So they asked these questions and the answer would come in the form of knocks, maybe later. It was, it was at this time that John Bell and the children reported knocks being thrown at them in the evening as they returned from the field. The family also began experiencing the sensation of being slapped. So as of this point, they're actually getting a chance to communicate with the beast. The beast. So finally, when they got to the point where the, the bell witch was communicating back with them, they said, who are you and what do you want? And the bell witch replied with, I am a spirit. I was once happy, but have been disturbed. Mm, That's fairly telling. Next, the witch said, I am the spirit of a person who is buried in the woods nearby. The grave has been disturbed. My bones have been disinterred and scattered. And one of my teeth is lost under the house. And I'm here looking for that tooth. Supposedly, Drury and his friend Corbin Hall had opened an Indian grave and removed a jawbone. In the process, they had dropped a tooth from from the jawbone and had slid underneath the floorboard.
1: So, listen, I'm not going to that crawlspace. Fuck that. Right. I'd rather move so, right? than go and find and, that.
2: And that's not the only time they spoke with the Bell Witch. Other times, a bell witch told them that I am the spirit of an early immigrant who brought a large sum of money and buried my treasure for safekeeping until needed. In the meanwhile, I died without divulging the secret, and I have returned in the spirit for the purpose of making it known the hiding place, and I want Betsy Bell to have the money. So the witch convinced a group of the family members Specified which family members, which I believe it was Drury, it was the Reverend and that Hall kid, to go out and dig this hole in the property looking for the treasure. And both times, the the witch would end up mocking the family members for going out and doing these tasks. Yeah, right. It would fucking have a laugh at them, being like, "Hi, you guys are fucking, you, you fucking guys are dummies, dumb, bitch. You're so gullible. Why would you go do that?" Like, <laughs> right. So around this time too supposedly a detective from Baltimore decided to come into town because he heard about the stories and wanted to
1: debunk the case. Well, he uh, probably and, like, honestly, he like big city guy, he's probably thinking that these people are running some sort of grift.
2: Well, absolutely. Right. And he, and when he initially came, he was kind of proven right because the, Entity fell silent when he tried to communicate with it. And he said, see, like, this is all fucking bullshit. This is a fabrication. This is a grift by the bells. But that night, the investigator felt his body restrained against the house floor. While being held, the entity physically beat the investigator. The
1: guy didn't last the night. You know, what's interesting, like that's such like, like for a, like, you have someone that comes that's of some importance and they're like, all right, let's see this thing. And then nothing like the sheer embarrassment. They're like, well, we don't like, we don't know. Like, obviously it's doing that to fuck, fuck with them. Right. But then to just go ahead and be like, all right, you don't think I'm real motherfucker? Well, yeah, it's crazy.
2: And then like, they've gone as far as they had but they had three different reverends come and do exorcisms there with no luck supposedly the bell witch would kind of subside for a little bit and then ramp up again. But it's interesting because, you know, we already kind of touched on Kate Batts, but I think it's super important to talk about the fact that after she got screwed over by John Bell, she she drug his name throughout the fucking city, basically telling everybody that he's a liar, he's a cheat. And like we touched on earlier, he was a high member of the church, right? Well, Unfortunately, the church heard what he did and she was able to sh- to show proof and he was actually excommunicated from the church for that. Really? Yeah, okay. And you want to know something else extremely interesting about Kate Batts? Yeah. All this started taking place, right? Around, I believe it was 1871 or 1817, either or. I'm
3: 1871.
2: 1871. Or 1817, Kate, sorry.
3: Summer of 1817. Oh, it it?
2: So 1817. You know, uh, just give you a guess. You know when Kate Bell died?
1: 1817.
2: Ooh. Interesting. Coincidence? I think not, boys. <laughs> it's gotta be her. She's the witch, man. <laughs> Apparently, she was always like, that's one thing. Like, she was super eccentric. People around town said she was super weird, super abrasive. She'd always do things like ask to borrow brass pens from other women. And I guess superstitious people believe that if you gave another woman a fucking, like, not just stitious people, superstitious. Yeah. If you gave them a fucking brass pen, they would have control over you. Interesting. Right? Like, weird shit like that. So, apparently, she was into a little bit of the cult, a little bit
3: witchy. And she had it out for Bell hmm yeah so supposedly when the banging noises began in the home of the of the bells uh, John Bell seniors health apparently started to decline um, it's described in, in accounts that he started to experience episodes of, of facial twitching like he started getting like a twitch in his face um, and also experiencing a, like a paralysis in his mouth, which actually left him uh, with difficulties actually eating or swallowing. Um, what's that, what's that disease where like... Bell's palsy. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's kind yeah, of... The- but, the, but it actually kind of sounds
2: like, like I don't want to get into it too far, but it sounds like he's suffering from like some neurological deficits
3: <laughs> and so by the fall of 1820 uh this the, these symptoms would end up leaving him confined to the house like he couldn't go anywhere he was pretty much bedridden and the the entity apparently would uh, just about torture him when he was in, in his bed uh, it would said he would like fling his shoes from his feet that he from his feet uh, that you know, shoes that he had been wearing um, uh, when he would try to walk somewhere, it would slap his face, or he'd begin to experience a uh, uh, seizures of some
1: type. And one of the reports I read too, it was like as he was walking or trying to walk because he was struggling a little bit, it was like his shoe would be glued to the ground. So it's like as he walked, he'd almost trip out of his shoe because his shoe was like like instantly cemented in place, and he would just kind of like bail out of his shoe. It sounds like he's having some type of gait abnormality, which
2: yeah. Get back to the neurological deficits as well.
3: So by December 20th uh, of that year, 1820, John Bell, Sr. actually died
1: after slipping into a coma. The first victim or known victim of the Bell Witch. <laughs> And so now
3: following his death, like immediately after his death, there was uh, a strange, what, what the family said that they found a strange vial of some type of dark, unidentified liquid that was... In the cupboard of the family home, it's in the cupboard, and some people say it, that some part, some other versions of the legend say that it was on his dresser or near the bed, uh, on the nightstand somewhere. But some type of unidentified liquid is a constant theme through most of these. And then uh, the family didn't know what it was or where it came from because none of them were able to identify it. So John Jr., uh, you know, clever guy that he is, uh, decided to give some to the family cat.
1: And be <laughs> a fucking asshole
3: who immediately lay down and died, uh, as well as most of the versions of the legend agree that the cat would pretty much
1: instantly die. I really wish this the story went John Jr. then exploded into flames immediately after. <laughs> well, uh, for doing that, well, John Jr. didn't explode flames,
3: but after they had uh you know seeing the cat die apparently they <laughs> they sacrificed the family t- He's <laughs> another volunteer well they took the apparently they took the vial um and flung it into the fireplace which produced a, a type of bluish flame uh and also that when they did this they were heard to have uh, they were said to have heard a, a joyful voice exclaiming i gave old jack a big dose of that last night which fixed him
1: So John Bell's funeral, interesting. You have the witch (laughs) claiming that she she poisoned uh, John with this.
3: Admitting somehow that she poisoned John with this vial of of poisonous liquid. Now, John Bell's funeral, like he was, again, like we said, he was an influential and a pretty big name in the town. His funeral was actually one of the largest ever held in Robertson County, Tennessee up to that time. And it's said that as his family and friends actually left the graveyard, the entity, the voice that, there was, that, that the entity had had uh, was heard laughing and singing a song uh, reportedly about Brandy of some type.
1: Brandy, you're a fine girl, yes, the what wife. a By good day. wife <laughs> you would be. <laughs> but my life, my love, and my lady the is the sea. <laughs> Brandy used to wipe his eyes when he told his sailor story. She could feel the ocean fall and rise, she saw it Raging glory, for he had always told the truth. Lord, he was an honest man, and Brandy does her best to understand <laughs> at night. <laughs> but and then just that on, just that on uh, repeat, yeah, pretty well. Nonstop. Yeah, um,
3: it was pretty much uh, that they were, it was heard that the, <laughs> the singing did not stop until the last person had left the gravesite. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was like, "I'd like to talk about John Brandy, his <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is it. It does make you know. It ties into another story, another theory of mine that this was a time traveler going back in time, fucking yeah. with people, right? <laughs> singing a song about Brandy. Well, They're like, he kept saying Brandy shit. Right? That guy would be. kept singing about Brandy. We don't know.
3: So a a year after this, or at least the next year after uh, after John's death, John Senior's death, um, apparently the entity spoke, or was reported to have spoke to the widow Lucy Bell, saying that it was leaving, that it was going to leave them, but it would return for a visit in seven years. And true to its word, in 1828, the entity apparently did return. Now, most of the activity is said to have centered around John Bell Jr., um, who said that they had a discussion with the entity that apparently uh, things, topics along the lines of the origin of life, Christianity, and the need for a mass- Why did you kill
2: our fucking dad? Yeah, Yeah,
3: that, and also the uh, need for a mass spiritual awakening. Uh, was those were the topics, I guess, that they were discussed. So it's with a Christian
1: thing. murderous ghost. Something like well, that, I guess. <laughs> it, <laughs> I it doesn't necessarily m- say that the entity was like bringing up these things about Christian origin life, but those were the topics. So maybe, uh, see, this is kind of where my brain went with this is that I started to think that if you look at a lot of these similarities and take out the witch, a lot of these like the clawing, the shit like that, other than the actual talking, a lot of this, you could be like, you know, it kind of parallels some UFO encounters. So part of me wondered that, you know, when it goes like, we will be leaving and it's, I will be leaving and I will return uh, at this time period. It's like, it's leaving and it's just jumping to 1828. So maybe for this entity, it's like, you know, like a second. And then now, now it's back and it's just checking in. Like, like we say with these abductee experiences where they're They're going and they're seeing this entity, you know, 15, uh, 25, 40, you know, 50, like maybe for this UFO or alien species that they can just traverse time and space that this is just a, you know, 20 minute checks uh, and the whole, the whole thing for them takes an hour and a half. Um, I kind of looked at this as something like that. And it was just, now it's just picking his, picking his brain kind of thing about like what they believe, but it doesn't really you know, tie into like why they were so cruel.
2: Um, interesting enough too, they said that on their journey, on their pilgrimage from North Carolina to Tennessee, they did actually, their diaries described seeing the Brown Mountain lights. Yeah. Which which is a fucking UFO, supposed UFO phenomenon. Right. We talked about them on a confidential, I think we
3: talked on about On a them confidential, now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, and they were like, they've definitely witnessed seeing these. I wonder if they saw some that followed them.
3: So, uh, (laughs) perhaps. Now, uh, like we said, this is considered, uh, the, the legend of the Bell Witch is considered to be one of the, uh, it usually earns the title the most documented hauntings in American history. Now, this would not have been possible without one uh, Martin V. Ingram, who if we didn't have his notes and he hadn't published the, the, an actual book about the the haunting, we might have never heard about this um, except for a couple maybe blurbs and, and local newspapers or things like this that probably never would have really reached the, the public at large. So uh, Martin V. Ingram, his story is a little bit interesting as well. So apparently during the Civil War, He served as the Confederacy uh, as a member of the Nashville Battalion. Uh, And then he received an injury at the Battle of Shiloh, which resulted in his discharge. So in in 1866, um, he started to begin a career in editing and publishing. And then he kind of got into the the newspaper industry and, and stayed in there until 1881. So sometime, but after that, sometime between 1890 and 1892, Ingram is said to have traveled to Adams station, which was originally the community known as red river and Cedar Hill in Tennessee. So red river being the community of the bells. Uh, so he went there, he had heard about this story and, and then it's, it's said that he stated that his reason for going there was for the purpose of viewing the grounds where uh, quote uh where historic and most intensely thrilling events were enacted 75 years ago. And he would go ahead and begin an entire investigation into the Bell Witch. and He would interview people, individuals who who were living there and familiar with the phenomenon that had uh, occurred there uh, 75 years prior. Now, it's said that Ingram would write Several reports about the Bell Witch. He published these over several days in July of 1892 uh, in the local <laughs> newspaper, which is known as the Clark's Leaf, uh, Clarksville Leaf Chronicle. <laughs> and <laughs> so he would take it, it's, these it's, reports. He would take these reports, and he would eventually publish them all together in one larger work, which held the title. <laughs> An authenticated history of the famous Bell Witch, the wonder of the 19th century, and unexplained phenomenon of the Christian area—the mysterious talking goblin that terrorized the west end of Robertson County, Tennessee, tormenting John Bell to his death. The story of Betsy Bell, her lover, and the haunted, the haunting Sphinx. That was the full title of the book.
1: Yeah.
2: Nice run-on sentence, there.
1: Yeah, there's the there periods in there. It's not the way you read it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, he just couldn't. He just like you know, he was like he was trying to get all the buzzwords, I get everything, trying to try. Right? All all key works for TikTok. He we was yeah, he, he was ahead of his time, right? He's like, I want to hit all the cl-. later in life when there's hashtags, I want to hit them all. Well, wow, he should have put fucking Illuminati in there. <laughs> yeah, been way more rich. <laughs> yeah, Freemason. <laughs> yeah. And so uh,
3: eventually it would, it would it'd be truncated. It would be, be shortened down. And usually people refer to the book uh, that's written as the unauthenticated uh, history of the famous Bell witch. Uh, <laughs> and so in the introduction to this book, uh, apparently uh, he included a letter from James Allen Bell, who was a grandson of John Bell Sr. And the letter explained that John Bell's son, had decided that none of the papers, none of the family papers, document, documents and documentation of this, uh, of the occurrence of the Bell Witch and their encounter with with the Bell Witch would be released until all of the immediate family members who had been involved uh, in the event were dead. So all of the, like all of the original family would be dead, you know, except, for, you know, and, and then they couldn't release it until every one of them had died until they were gone. <laughs> Um, but Ingram's introduction also spoke about a uh, a family, uh, like a, a collection of family notes and a diary that was given to him by James Allen Bell, and this one had actually been written by Richard Williams Bell uh, when he was 35 years old in 1846. You know, twenty, 20 some years after the after the events. And now Richard had actually been six and 10 years old, six and 10 years old during the entire event, you know, when it started six, and then for the years that it followed. And and he I think he was about, and then that would make him 17 when it came back, you know, its final appearance-ish in 1828. Now, Martin is the only one who has seen these things like Ingram was uh, said to have been the only one who had seen the nobody else saw these notes and he was the only one who had seen them um and so it's a little bit some people kind of say that cast cast doubt on whether you know this was either something that Martin had either uh sorry Ingram had actually maybe fabricated or embellished to some extent now some people contend a lot of <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say because a lot of that has to do with the fact, that even just how it's written. They're like, this is supposed to be the diary, a personal diary of potentially like a a guy with the, who's a farmer, and then you go and you look into the vocabulary and stuff like that, and it's like looks like it's written by someone who you know was well learned in literature and shit like that, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Th- there's some it's far too eloquent. There is some contention as to whether perhaps Ingram had had manifested this the story or he just kind of went on to write it and pub and got it to just to get it published or just something, you know, along the lines of just making up a spooky ghost story. But there are those who mm-hmm. go ahead and cite their actual articles that popped up in, in local newspapers around the area that cited fan that that are reported on fantastic events in the area of Red River that all sound very similar to the events uh, connected with the or attributed to the Bell Witch. So it's not, it, there are some people who say that, no, he didn't make these up, but he did collect it. Whether he embellished some of this stuff or not, that's still probably up for debate. But this very much, uh, a lot of people would cite those uh, newspaper articles that popped up during the, during the same time. That the the Bell family was experiencing uh, this paranormal activity, and they would say that this th- this is proof or this is at least cooperation that something happened here, uh, that yeah. the, he wasn't just making all of it up. It wasn't totally fab- it's not a incomplete fabrication at this. So uh, some of the more famous parts of the Bell Witch uh, phenomenon is that a lot of people, if you, I mean, you could search this place up because there is the famous
1: Bell Witch cave now there's there's and that's and that's the last the the house and everything all that's gone long right destroyed uh but the cave the legendary cave still exists you can go there so some people some
3: people say that or you know legend says that perhaps the cave was the last place that the uh spirit or entity retreated to after it left the bell family that this was the final place for it to go um it's there there's some stories apparently that even prior to the events of uh 1817 that the the bell children had perhaps even encountered the entity in that cave um before everything started kind of going wild. And so this cave apparently, it's about like, I don't know, it's about 490 feet, uh, about 150 meters long. And you can, Go in there. Um, they're saying okay. <laughs> there's an episode. If you if you don't want to go in there, you can watch an episode of Ghost Adventures. They went there. Uh, uh they went there and apparently they were the very first uh paranormal investigatory team allowed to. I don't think they spent the night. They set up some cameras in there. I, I watched the episode and they set up some cameras in there. Pretty spooky. Yeah. I mean, I don't like if you're gonna stay a cave, stay in a poorly lit cave at night. Yeah, I'd say pretty spooky, <laughs> just right off the bat. <laughs> It's a uh, it's an it's a it's a pretty good episode. I don't know. They go in there and you know they do the usual ghost adventure things, and um, you know it's interesting. But they do what they. Um, uh, one interesting thing that they did is they experimented with infrasound. So uh, Zach Baggins, uh, in his uh, you know his experience you know subject matter expertise okay. of goes yeah, elbows great great nephew uh, you know he is a uh, self proclaimed channeler and 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 uh, empath slash sensitive whatever you want to call him um, yeah. master tracker <laughs> master tracker yeah um, right. he, ghostographer ghostographer he is pretty sure and him and his team are pretty sure that there is some type of portal uh, inside the bell witch cave that there's some type of portal. And they're eh, pretty sure they brought along one guy, uh, who is, uh, he's, I don't think he's a regular member of the team. I've watched, I mean, I've watched a lot of fucking ghost adventures (laughs) and like, I'm pretty sure that guy's not a regular member of the team, but they brought him in and his whole idea was to, uh, what they were going to do is they're going to experiment with infrasound that they were going to uh, they were going to produce. That's the sound we can't hear, right? Right, the very really low frequency, yeah, uh, vibrate, vibrational sounds, uh, you know, below most uh, human level of human hearing. And they were going to produce a sound in order to get maybe some type of his whole theory was that they were going to produce some type of sympathetic vibration that would amplify and or uh, allow. Some communication or, uh, you know, support communication. He was going to break the sound barrier between dimensions. Um, That was his, that was their theory. They got it. So they set up a big old speaker and they, (laughs) I think the funny thing is like they did this whole experiment, right? And so they're all standing there. And they got these, they had, they set up these lights, these like blinking lights. And they also set up the infrasound thing. And then they all started kind of feeling like these strange sensations. They all started feeling stuff. And then like, they kind of ended up like a couple of them ended up feeling sick. And I was like, that's like infrasound will do that. Like if you stand there for long enough and you have these low vibrations, like going through your body, you're going to end up. Like my bowels. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to end up feeling sick because it's just like constant drone of like that that whatever that you can't feel it but like your body yeah. can so i'm like yeah. ah, so and but they you know they cited that as proof that they had somehow breached the they portal. they got the bellwitch um, there Yeah. yeah um i mean they brought out their their little <sighs> that that thing they brought out the what the fuck that thing's called i forget um and it said apparently they said that it said indian burial That so you know they cited that as proof as indigenous so they say they said indian <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Bilbo! You should know better than that. Um, that's uh, and that's what they heard.
1: Uh, all right, best part of the fucking case file. <laughs> Let's hear it, boys. Theories. I so what I think is if you remember the Lepp Castle, there was one spirit there called the Elemental, and the Elemental was said to only gain power and kind of provoke after being like recognized or or like. Um, interacted with it seemingly would amp up. Um, and I kind of wondered if this was something that was there. And the more, it was kind of like the perfect storm because it was a spirit that lived in there, you know, whether an elemental by the Druids or whoever summoned this thing or created it uh, for whatever reason, uh, years and years ago, um, before this happened, it was, you know, didn't have a lot of power, not a lot of interaction, but it's it started with the whispers in the trees. And then as um, you know some of John Bell's volunteers uh, were noticing it interacting with those whispers hello, right? It was kind of feeding upon that and feeding on the fair fear, kind of growing in power. And then it, it was in the flames. Yeah. It was emboldening it. So then you start to see it, like start to come in more, right? Like with the ghost lights and stuff. Uh, and then you have like the apparitions of these dogs and, uh, with the weird heads and stuff. Um, and then it's like, as the family starting to get fear, everyone, it's, it's, scratching on the houses and and doing that kind of stuff and then it's inside like it just slowly starts to seem like it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows uh in power as it's uh, as this goes on until we get to the height where you know it seemingly kills john bell right it actually is making vocalizations that they understand so i kind of thought it was something like that something like the spirit that was in uh the, the lep castle the elemental where it's like it's just as you provoke this thing more interacted with it, the just more emboldened and powerful it got until it was, you know, it did what it came to do. And that was kill someone. And then once it did that, it kind of retreated again, the timing wise, I don't understand that. It's like, well, I'm going to leave. I'm going to peace out. I'm going to dip for seven years. I can now take my, like a, like a snake. It ate, it consumed John bell. It killed him. And now it's like, peace. I'm going to sleep for seven years now. Peace out. Maybe. I don't know. Hibernate. But that's kind of what I think. Andrew, what were you thinking? Let's go to Dan. Dan? Dan, what were you thinking? Yeah, ghost. Ghosts. <laughs> ghost. Just a regular old ghost? Ghost. Nothing, nothing else? Just ghost. Ghost. Just ghost.
2: <laughs> All right. Well thought out. On your, I
1: didn't see that on your notes, but <laughs> I can hop in the two.
2: So there's, there's two that kind of stand out. I think they're more the general public's go-tos the first one was possibly arsenic poisoning and one of the reasons they jumped to that is the fact that john bell before he died was suffering from what looked to be neurological deficits yeah so stroke-like symptoms right which can usually those type of symptoms are either from like a you know a, a hemorrhage or a blockage in your brain or potentially poisoning due to heavy metals and they can mimic the same symptoms um, and one one interesting fact is that when they gave it to the cat, killed the cat right away. And then when they threw it in the fire, it burned to blue, which arsenic does.
1: Mm.
2: Right. And it was found in that strange cup. So people speculate that maybe he was being poisoned over a long period of time, possibly three months, small
1: yeah, little yeah, beds yeah. here and
2: there and, in, in the right? soup. And then he started, yeah, right. or whatever, right? So there's that. And then there's another character that we didn't really talk about, which is a pretty fucking shady dude. And he goes by the name of Richard Powell. I don't like him. Richard Powell. Dick Powell. Dick Powell was Betsy's teacher. Supposedly, although Powell was 11 years older than Betsy, he was madly in love with her and was visibly disappointed when he discovered that she was engaged to marry Joshua Gardner. He was also rumored to have knowledge of the occult
1: ventriloquism, and horticulture. <laughs> ventriloquism? <laughs> right? he's ventriloquism. He's into it. <laughs> with so, the, okay. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Like, he's Ernie. So Her, what do we know about I'm the, bro what, what do we know about the witch? What do we know about the witch?
2: It hated John Bell. Yeah. That was the main reason for its manifest, manifestation supposedly. And it also claimed that it was going to follow old Jack. Like, It claimed it was going to follow Betsy, but it never did follow Jack. It only followed Betsy. followed her to the neighbor's house. It followed her when she went to visit her sister. It followed her everywhere. Yeah. Okay? It never provided a reason why it hated John Bell. And it never provided a reason why Betsy shouldn't marry this guy. Not once. No. The spirit knew... All the secrets of the communities, because it was known to go around and share gossip. It would share shit like the the daily sermon, who wasn't at church and whatnot. And one of the main figureheads of the community at the time was the teacher and who would be privy to all the information. Right. So it was well known that Powell had interests in Betsy beyond, you know, classroom stuff. And he would frequently visit her at her home to talk about school and her accomplishments and stuff like that. And apparently John Bell despised it. And he knew, he knew that this guy was interested in his 12-year-old daughter. And he's like, at the fact that this man is 26 years old, he's way too old for my daughter and it'll was be it my-
1: Was an 11-year age gap that big then? Because I feel like they were marrying pretty young. Uh, well, we, we, we can touch on that after this. But basically,
2: John, John Bell was noted saying, over my dead body, will you marry my daughter? Mm, interesting. Okay. So- that right there gives you a reason to want John Bell dead.: I just feel right? like, and I mean, listen. there's other reasons too. like Dick Powell, he was usually coming around to check on the family, see if everything's okay. The family, you know, everybody's visiting the family to see these manifestations, to be, bear witness to it. You
1: know, who was never there during one of these events?: Dick Powell, Dick Powell. Well, but how in because how would the ventriloquism work then? Because like basically is when it, you say ventriloquism, well, I'm, not saying, I, I'm not I'm uh, saying that's
2: what he had knowledge in. Maybe the fact that he's like he's hiding this whole time. He's the one that's doing the voices from another room, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know where he is.
1: Like he's hiding in the in the rafters or something, maybe. Right? But it, and the, maybe. I just feel like if he was ever there and you have someone he's just sitting like this, he's like I think I think like ventriloquism in,
3: in the sense that he knew how to throw his voice. Like he knew how to, oh, he didn't have to be, but yeah, mimic maybe, other voices. Well, maybe with
1: the but, witchcraft and stuff, he could do that from a distance. Right? Well, yeah.
3: And
2: the fact that like, why else would this fucking witch not want her to marry this random Joshua Gardner dude? And then all of a sudden, like your main focus is Betsy and then the dad says, "Well, over my dead body is this guy going to marry my daughter?" And now, oh, fucking John Bell's the number one victim. Yeah. And then you want it, and now listen, you want to fucking put the nail in the coffin? What happens when John Bell dies? She breaks off her engagement
1: to Gardner. Who does she end up marrying? Dick Powell. Dick Powell. Buddy, this is a love story. Why we? Why we? We should have been talking about this in of uh, February. It's a Valentine's <laughs> Day episode. Well, I don't know. And then there's the other fucking horrid.
2: Sp- people kind of speculate that maybe Betsy suffered from dissociative disassoci- identity disorder because she was experiencing massive childhood trauma
1: due to possibly being molested by John. Yeah, I just the and- the power one just. I don't know, man. Like, maybe he was involved in some way, but it's just like the ventral, because thing. I'm like, well, he's the he's only there. one with motive. He, yes. Yeah, he's sure. the only one for motive. Like, yeah. why else? But it's like, so then, like, maybe it's that, maybe it's this that he was like stalking and doing that kind of thing. How? And really fucking it, with them. But then it's like, and so that would mean like all of the rest of the story just kind of is, uh, is kind of uh, exaggerated telephone by game. It's a Martin telephone Ingram. Game. It, well, exactly. Like, how
2: long, like, how, uh, how long after the events was the story? Yeah, turned? I mean, okay. The, right? I, th- like, I, th-
1: I think it was sensationalized. It's, it's plaus- plausible. 100%. I think
2: I think they generally believed that they were paranormally activated, and they shared it. They wrote in their diaries, and
1: I think Ingram took advantage of it and sensationalized it. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah. his account is the reason why we still know it. So, it hundred percent. Let us know what you think. Is the bell rift yeah. real? If you go to the cave, are you going to? um walk into some infrasound portal uh is, or was it just a jealous lover who was uh ventriloquizing his way Scorned. to killing <laughs> her father. Hearts father. boys. He ended up one. He yeah, won. He won. He got it. Yeah. Hey, who says like, listen, guys, if you're out there, you got a girl, you're trying to, you know, learn ventriloquism, start practicing, gets you girls. This, this story <laughs> proves it. Um, Uh, before we move on, uh, we got some October merch lined up. We got a, definitely a spooktober lineup of merch. Uh, the first thing we have up, uh, can you guys see this? Yeah. Yeah. Look at this Patreon design that we got. We got the, I believe, uh, rocked out edition uh, with the the web telescope in the back. That's Patreon exclusive. Uh, if you want that, it's going to cost you probably 16 bucks because it's at cost to our Patreon members. Um, we've got the, I believe regular. We've got it on a sweater. We've got it on a cup. We got it on a mug. Uh, we got the Ouija- key <laughs> we got the Weegee shirt. Uh, we've got another uh, design by, uh, uh, ty halone who did our whole uh last month this one's awesome the call of cthulhu um we've got you know the dare dare to say no to big candy uh the alien theorist monster mash uh on a sweater we got beanies we got just theorize hat this month um and beanies we're gonna have a boy. couple that's a fucking toque bud yeah. You like that toque? Look at that. That's a toque. Right. That's a fucking toque. Beanie. Well, it's yeah, for the like Americans beanies. cause they buy ah, more of our stuff. Beanie? Um, fucking toque. so yeah, we got tons of stuff coming up. Um, now let's get back to, uh, you know, if you want to support us on Patreon, you get that. And also you get a, a whole bunch of, uh, other stuff, um, like, um, you know, hours and hours of our bonus content. Is it, is it playing, uh, Nope, not for us. It, Maybe for somebody else. Yeah, I know it's playing Zeltron now. Okay, perfect. I got it. <laughs> got a first try. Uh, this month's Patreon supporters, uh, absolute beauties. We have Kyle Asia is Definitely blew that. We got G Baller twenty two. We've got Tactical Platius. Street kid named Zyre. And uh, that's all this week uh, for Patreon supporters. You want to be a Patreon supporter? Patreon.com/slash Alien Theorist Podcast. And as oh shit, how do what? I? We fucked up. How do we fuck I, up? T- music music no, still- I killed the music. I think it. I huh. think the music's dead. Is the music dead? Music's dead. I now. Never heard it. Okay, well you didn't, but the stream would. Okay. Right. Theoretic of the week, baby. <laughs> 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 Uh, last week, we, we asked uh, if you would be so kind as to go uh, give our new show, Sports Conspirator to listen, and even shoot us uh, a five-star review. And we had six absolute beauties uh, go out and do just that. They wrote us lovely uh, five-star reviews. Very thoughtful, each one of them. So we have Josh Attempt Art. Uh, that's uh, Black Grand Pond. Uh, Jesse Ray 95. Ben As. G- 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 uh, Billy Bob 123455. Five. We got Maddie 122356938. Two, and we got GeForce 951. Uh, all of them left us five star reviews. Review. So all of you are one sixth uh, Theorite of the Week. <laughs> Enjoy it. Uh, and uh, as we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies.